Hi, and welcome back to the Remote Lab podcast. I am Maria Svensson-Miklander, and this week I have a fresh talk with chaos pilot, writer, and remote advocate, Johanna Olsson from The House. Johanna has been working with leadership transformation and remote work in large organizations for the last decade and released her first book in August last year. So let's jump right into the conversation. Here is Johanna Olsson. Welcome to the Remote Lab podcast. This uh, week I have a very exciting guest in Johanna Olsson. I've been curious about her and her book and her organization, The House, for a very long time. Um, We uh, definitely are uh, similar in a lot of our interests and uh, we have the same drive around remote work. Welcome to the podcast, Johanna. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Tell me about yourself. What is your passion and why do you do what you do? Mm, What is my passion? I have a lot of passion. I think that's the start of it. I want to do a lot of things. Um, And I think that if you're a person who wants to do a lot of things, it's quite easy to end up in wanting to work remotely at one point or another because you want to travel around and do a lot of things. Um, But I mean, work-wise, one of my biggest passions is... The same, actually, as my my co-workers. Um, we started the house a couple of years ago based on, on that we have the same vision of what we want, which is to sort of support people to be the most sort of the, the, the most contributing selves um, at all point, but definitely at work. I mean, we spend a lot of time at our workplace and we deserve to be happy in our workplace and have that as a place of, of fulfillment and where we can be our best selves. And that's not really what we saw when we were working. Uh, We were working as consultants for for another company at that point. Um, So, and I mean, that's that's a lot of where my passion comes from, being being happy at work, being, um, having the feeling that you can contribute to something that's bigger than yourself. Um, Yeah, so that's how I came into remote remote workers. What is your background? What have you been doing before? Uh, like I said, I have a lot of passions. So starting out in in writing and storytelling and film, but I think it was a big shift for me when I started at a school that's called the Chaos Pilots, which is a three-year-long education where we focus on how to lead in change and how to collaborate in change um, and support teams and leaders to, to sort of be their best selves. Um, and that was a three very chaotic and fantastic years. Um, and after that, I started working at a, um, well, I did a couple of a couple of stops, but my big stop was at an um, educational company that's called Hyper Island, um, where we work with both students, but they also have a big consultancy uh, side. So that's sort of where I, where I grew into myself <laughs> as a facilitator and as a, as a, a remote champion. Um, I think, and that's also where I met my colleagues that I work with now. So I was there for eight years, um, and it really gave me a, a sort of a a good base since we work with companies from all over the world and in all different kinds of industries. So understanding what is it um, that we all need, what is it that ties us all together. I mean, we're humans that work no matter what kind of industry we're in. So understanding people a little bit more, and they're also understanding that we do 
I mean, what what's happening to the industry as well, that we saw a lot of people working together and we did um, a lot of consultancy work. We had a lot of sort of educational programs, but they were all based on a little bit what sort of the leadership research that we saw and then we had. We were very, very research based, but most research were made on people that work in the same office and together all the time. And that's not what the world looked like anymore. Um, it's easy to think that, well, there was a pandemic and now the world looks like like it's a hybrid formation, but that happened long before and we would have ended up in a very hybrid way of working. It was just sort of a, we just got a, a really a hard training campaign. I think sort of been getting good at it, but um, yeah, so that's where my background, I mean, I mean when I sort of got that passion for working remotely and wanting to do educational programs and wanting to do coaching and wanting to do uh, support organizations to actually be their best, then it had to be with a remote focus because it didn't make sense to do it in any other way. And after eight or nine years at Hyper Island, I started the house with um, three of my coworkers from from Hyper Island. Um, very grateful for all of the 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 training and the experience that we got from Hyper Island, still work a lot with them and I love them in every way. Um, but now since we started the house in 2018, 2017, 18, something like that. And since then we've been working with everything from innovation to leadership training, to team development, to mediating, but everything also having the fact that most people work in a hybrid formation or remotely or distributed in some way and having that in mind, making sure that when we build our team and our organizations, we must be aware that we're not going to be sitting next to each other because otherwise we're going to be training for a reality that doesn't exist anymore. And you decided to write a book about it during the pandemic, but it's not a pandemic book. No, I just, I wanted to, I was thinking sort of in before the pandemic and we were thinking about how do we get all of, how do we get the information out in the best way? And sort of coming from a writing background, I was like, okay, but we need to write a book, but also being quite, that's not going to be the best way, probably. I don't think that there were so many people who were going to look for that book in remote collaboration before the pandemic, or that was the sense that I had. So that's why we started making trainings instead with a lot of written material and podcasts and, and things like that. But then the pandemic hit, and I think that everyone got, of course, they got more aware and they needed a lot of information about how to work remotely, but they were mainly looking for information about how do I work remotely during a pandemic? And that's not the, the book that I wanted to write. So, But after a year of the pandemic, I started talking to one of the um, publishing companies, um, and then we started talking about the book for after the pandemic. So when we're over when this is all over and we're where we get out on the on the other side then what kind of book do we need because we could see during the pandemic that people were and this is so weird but people are so much happier <laughs> in their work during pandemic i think i mean we've seen the numbers they're quite high people were unhappy during pandemic but it was because of the pandemic their work situation was quite nice people got a lot of more flexibility and they got to be able to work. This is from a Swedish perspective, I should say as well, because we handle the pandemic differently in different parts of the world. But the freedom that we had in Sweden and the way that we could plan our days made a lot of people feel better. So thinking that people are probably not going to want to go back after this. And that's what we've seen as well. I mean, people are 
or organizations are starting to understand it as well and in taking new steps. So that's where the, the book was born. So as a very tangible handbook for for everyone basically. So it was a it's a very wide target group, but everything from leaders to team leaders to uh, people being employed, students, whatever it might be, everyone who needs to collaborate with someone who's they're not meeting every day, every week in the in the office. That's mm. who it's for. And very tangible. <laughs> and you talk about the four rooms of change in your book. Yeah. How are they related to the transformation into a more flexible way of working? I think it's really, we, the whole book starts with sort of talking about that we need to, we can't do this without talking about how we handle change. Because starting to work this way, even though many have worked this way before, in some extent, it is a change that we're going through. We're going to need to try new things out. And as people, we're not that fond of change. We're sort of, our DNA is hardwired not to like change. It's good in that way. It's helped us survive for this long. But when we're going into this transition, it's really important to understand that the the feeling, the unpleasant feelings and the feelings of that this is not working, it, does not, it doesn't have to have to do with that the hybrid work is not working or our digital meetings is not working. The unpleasantness will most likely come from that we don't like change. So we really like this um, model of four rooms of change, which we, we haven't <laughs> created that model, uh, but we're very inspired from it. That sort of understanding that we start out in a sense of liking status quo. Even if we don't like uh, how things are, we like status quo. We're quite happy in that because like I said, we're not that fond of change. But change will come knocking, it always does. And our first step will probably be feeling um, uh, denial that this change will not affect me. This is looking at the pandemic a little bit like it's not going to hit Sweden. It's not going to hit my town. It's not going to hit my office or my team. Or yeah, now after the pandemic, it might also be, yes, this all this hybrid thing and people are going to work from home, but I'm still going to go to the office. It's not going to affect me that much. Um, but again, change that has to happen will happen and then we usually go into what's called um, uh, confusion <laughs> um, and this can be a very sort of unpleasant stage where we don't we know we have to change but we don't know what's going to happen we don't uh, know the right answer uh, there isn't a right answer we need to try new things and it's all nice to say we need to try new things and we're going to innovate but it's not nice to fail when you're in a system that sort of supports you doing well and you get a race if you do well and you get a promotion if you do well then it's dandy to say that you need to experiment but it's not going to be a, a nice experience so but if we can sort of stay in that confusion and learn from it and try new things anyway then we're going to sort of move on to inspiration and that's where we can find that this is actually a good way to work and we can try new things and we can find new strengths and looking at the pandemic as well sort of understanding that okay so all this freedom that i gain with being flexible about where i want to live when i want to work who i work with what company i work for all of those things that will give us a, a stronger sense of well-being in our life that's that's gonna have a huge impact on us as individuals but also as a, uh, on us as a society and, a, and as a world as a whole if we're gonna see them very very big picture um, so I think that that's sort of how it's it's really important to understand that, especially if um, if you're a leader and you have a lot of people that you're supposed to sort of support and 
they're uncomfortable and they don't like what's happening. And even more when it comes to self-leadership, if you as a leader are feeling uncomfortable and you don't have the right answers and you're starting to sort of hit the brakes for the wrong reasons, sometimes we're going to have to sort of let go of the brakes and go a little bit faster than we might be comfortable with. Yeah. And we talked about this before we're recording, uh, that we of, we often talk about the transformation within a group psychology perspective with the forming, storming, norming, uh, performing and enduring phase where like if you put your foot down around what solution is best for my organization, it's much easier than to move on to find the right solutions or the right way of working or the right way to handle my coworkers or collaborating, etc., etc. It's such a good way of looking at it because I think that commitment is so important. And a lot of organizations don't want to make that commitment since they don't have the right answers of how to do it yet. And I think that's the, I mean, I still have a lot of organization companies who are sort of like, can you just show us how to do it? And it's like, no, I can't. <laughs> you need to find it's different from all organizations. There is not a template. It's too complex. Um, so we need to find our own way. And it's quite difficult to sort of go out on a quest like that if we haven't decided that, yes, we're going on this quest. It's like trying to have one foot at home and one foot out on the in the adventure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's looking for the silver bullet that doesn't exist. It's understandable. We come from a sort of industrialism and, and bureaucratic way of thinking. There is a there's supposed to be a right way and a wrong way. It's just that here we find ourselves in a very complex reality where there's no right and wrong. And of course, it's a little bit scary. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. What do you think is required of the leaders of tomorrow when having a remote or hybrid setting do you think it's any changes that is coming up or do you can you see is like some kind of uh, the old leadership and the new leadership uh, and what differs between them yeah well i think i see two things i see two two mistakes (laughs) that is quite common and one thing is to think that to move into this way of working, we need to change everything. And this is the biggest change we're ever gonna do. And it's a little bit overpowering and everything needs to stop and redesign. It doesn't have to be that big, but I mean, I think when you see something that that's big, you get a little bit paralyzed and nothing will happen. And the other mistake is that you think that the change is too small. I think it's not gonna be that different. Okay, so he's gonna be out on Tuesday and she's gonna be out on Thursday, that's fine. And you don't change anything. So I think that, the leaders that will succeed the best uh, are probably the ones who end up in the middle a little bit, who sees that we need to do some changes. I need to do some changes. Um, we need to take it one step at a time and we need to try new things and evaluate, 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 but also not who doesn't make it too big of a change because it could be a little bit overpowering. And we have this tendency that we want to do all of this um we have all of these experts and they're going to write all of these super, super long and big reports over a year and we don't get anywhere. I think that the the organizations and the leaders that will have the biggest effect are the ones who dare to take small steps every day and really dares, or sort of dares but, but really puts time and effort into working with psychological safety in the sense that everyone needs to understand that we ask a lot of you when it comes to experimenting in a setting that you're not used to and where you don't have any answers and it's going to be okay to fail. So if you as a leader can put time and energy into psychological safety, you can accept, this is maybe the most important thing to understand that as a leader, you don't have to let go of control, but you have to let go of some, a sense of certainty. 
you're not going to be able to know exactly what happens every second and every decision that is taken within the team all of the time. But if you do put that time into having trust and building a strong team and working with their development, making sure that they are self-sufficient and that you can have that culture of autonomy where, where they're not blocking each other and they're not hindering and you are not as a leader a hindrance, because I think that's also one of the biggest challenges. As we see so many leaders at the moment who are roadblocks because they want to be involved in every decision and they are sitting on all the information. So if you as a leader can sort of lead yourself into understanding that you're going to have to let go of that feeling of certainty, at least a bit of it, then you're going to have quite a lot of success. Speaking about culture, you also covered that in your book. What is the main thing you try to communicate to your uh customers or the people that you work with concerning culture? What's the main takeaway from a talk with you? Skip to the end of the talk, <laughs> the, the, the takeaway on, on culture. I mean, culture is such a big uh, topic. And we talked about this before as well, that first understanding what culture is. But an easy way, I think, to to work with culture and to understand what it is, is that culture is the things that we build in our everyday life. It's not the big words painted on the walls. It's what we build when we sort of cross paths by the coffee machine. We talk so much about sort of the water machine and the coffee machine and, and the conversations that we have there. But culture is basically built on the habits that we have in an organization. So it's the habits that I have as a person. It's uh, the habits that we have as a team and that we have as coworkers and, and so on. So if we want to have a culture that's sustainable in a hybrid setting or in a remote setting, we need to start looking at the habits that we have and how can we change them. We have so many habits that are helpful when we're sitting in the same room and we tend to keep those because we have so much experience usually in sort of working in the same office. So a really helpful habit, uh, like I always ask the person next to me um, for advice before I make a big decision at work. That's a great habit. And sort of it's collaboration. It's going to be great for your culture. But if you're in a remote setting, and that means that you're always asking the person that's sitting next to you and not the rest of the teams or team members who are working from home, um, that habit can easily sort of create subgrouping or that you don't take advantage of all of the um, all of the knowledge that's in the team and that you forget the people who are not there, for an example. So maybe there are other habits that's going to be better for your culture um, that you make sure that you communicate with other people. So, I mean, that's one example, but there are so many. Our whole lives are built up on habits. We have thousands and thousands and thousands in every day, and we're not aware of most of them. So I think that just sitting down with your team and understanding what habits do we have and what in what way do they build our culture and then you can start tweaking them a little bit so that they're more suitable for the for the setting that you're working in. Can you see any risks with remote or hybrid work or how do you address those? I mean, there are a lot of risks, but not with hybrid work itself. I think that the risks are if we work in a hybrid setting and we don't adjust our leadership and our team habits. Uh, then there is a lot of risks um, in many different directions. Um, but I think that one of the the ones that I find most important is the fact that when we work, especially when we work hybrid and some people are in the office and some people are not, um, if uh, especially a leader then does not adjust their way of working, it's going to mean that they're going to see the people who are in the office a lot more. Um, they're going to see what they do. They're going to talk with them in the breaks. They're going to... Um, 
well, they're going to see so much more and probably give some sort of, they will have some, uh, what's the word? Uh, I mean, they will have easier access to information, for example, since they're sitting next to their leader, maybe, or so on. Uh, but we tend to forget the people at home. I mean, you can see that in different reports and, and things as well, that a lot of people who's actually sitting at home, they don't get the same uh, level of promotions or um, race and so on uh, when it comes to salary, because they're not as visual, um, visible. And since we also have that most, also again, looking at the numbers, there's mostly females with young children who wants to use that flexibility of working at home. So, I mean, there's a big risk that there's going to be a whole, a whole lot of women with young children that is not going to get promoted or get the interesting projects. And we're going to sort of go back a little bit on, on all the progress that we made when it comes to equality between genders. So that's one risk. But there is a lot of, I mean, it's also if we do not adjust the way that we work, stress levels can go up. I mean, working remotely um, is, I mean, there's a bigger chance for the opposite, that we actually, our stress level goes down with that flexibility. But if we don't uh, adjust the work processes, it could be the opposite. So that's the biggest risk, continuing as if nothing has changed when everything has changed. Yeah, exactly. And that comes also along with the, when you stop measuring time, which is uh, irrelevant yeah. when working uh, outside the office, it's uh, you have to to measure something else, and then productivity comes into play. and And there's a big difference there between measuring time and measuring productivity, and it puts a lot of stress. That's a really good example. As what it's a it's a really good example of the habits as well that I was talking about. There's so many companies who just sort of keeps that okay, now we're going to work hybrid and we're going to work like this, but they keep this sort of punching in at nine o'clock and you know, punch out at five o'clock or whatever it might be. Um, and that destroys the whole thing. I mean, if we're going to work remotely, it's the flexibility that's our strength and keeping that habit, it's going to make a weakness instead. So when I talk about habits, it's equally important to sort of what new habits do we need to have, but it's also looking at what old habits do we have that hinders us and what do we need to tweak sort of to change a little bit yeah okay we're uh, getting close to the end of this conversation but i want to know if we want to know more about the house or about johanna where where can we meet you and where can we reach you you can always go to our website which is, uh, which is the house um uh, dot se so that's t-h-e-h-l O-W-S, so the house. Um, and then you can always email me at johanna at thehouse.se. I would love to hear from all of you. And where can I buy the book? Uh, at every, it's only available in Swedish so far, which is a problem. <laughs> But you can buy it in, in every, uh, at, at Libris or Bokus or Academy Bookhandel, all the, the usual Swedish bookstores. And what's the title of it? Uh, in Swedish, it's Närhet trots avstånd, att leda och samarbeta på distans. Thank you so much. For being close at a distance. Yeah. Do you have any additional thing that you want to throw into our audience before ending this wonderful conversation? No, it's just, uh, you know, I feel it so, so strongly. Sort of take the leap. I mean, it's scary to change and it's scary to think of, oh my, how are we going to, for our organization, how are we going to change all of these things? It doesn't have to be that big. Start changing small things, take small steps. You know, how do we eat an elephant one bite at a time? And and we will get there. But it's just, it would be, um, 
it would almost be a crime to stop the development here. We were forced to do this during the pandemic. It would be stupid to stop all of that development that we did and just start going backwards instead. So continue sort of eyes on the price and continue walking forward. Yeah, using the momentum that we have. Exactly. Wonderful final words. Thank you, Johanna. Thank you so much. I was very happy when Johanna made time in her busy schedule for me and a conversation about remote work in this podcast. So my main takeaways from this discussion with Johanna is the four rooms of change. We really need to be aware of the different phases that we're in in order to not just find it hopeless uh, to make this transition into a more flexible and remote friendly way of running our businesses. It's the new normal that we're after and it will take both pain, confusion and denial in order to get there. And to be aware of these different phases allows us to have more trust in the process towards becoming a better version of ourselves. So with those words, I am looking forward to next week's discussion because that will be between me and Anna about our latest report. So we're covering co-working in Sweden and how businesses think when they establish new offices and hubs. So learnings and findings in our latest report and studies about co-working in Sweden next week. See you then. <laughs>